Hello everyone. This week's shear, Parshat Sav, entitled A Good Reason Not to Say Tachanun. Growing up in Teaneck, New Jersey, and it was a very different place more years ago than I care to admit, our shul had an unusual minhag to stop saying Tachanun as of the 23rd day of Adar, as opposed to the more common practice of stopping saying Tachanun as of Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It was unclear why this was the practice in our shul. When asked, the Rabbi Varshul explained that we stopped saying Tachnun at this time because the final week of the month of Adar coincides with the Shivat Yemei Hamiluim, the seven preparatory days leading up to the dedication of the Mishkan in the Midbar. Being that this particular minhag saved between three to seven minutes every morning for an extra week, I'm not sure how many people were interested in rocking the boat. Unsurprisingly, the explanation was accepted without any further comment. A simple internet search shows that this particular practice is a Hasidic minhag of relatively recent origin. Of course, the entire discussion of whether or not to say Tachnun during this time only begins if we accept that Yemei Miluim in fact fell between the, 23 of, the 23rd of Adar and Rosh Chodesh Nisan of B'nai Yisrael's second year in the Midbar. However, this assumption, though widely held in the Midrash and broadly accepted by most commentaries, is not necessarily borne out by a simple reading of the, of the Pshat. So our question of whether or not Tachnun is recited during this week actually highlights a fascinating clash between the Pshat of the Psukim and how Chazal read them. The final Perek, Perek Shmini, in this week's Parsha, describes how Moshe Rabbeinu consecrated the Mishkan in the week leading up to its formal establishment and dedication. Since Sefer Shemot, ends with Moshe being commanded to erect the Mishkan on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and the Torah then continues to tell us that Moshe in fact fulfilled this mandate. A simple reading suggests that the Mishkan was erected on Rosh Chodesh and Sefer Vayikra begins from this point. This would mean that the events of the final chapter of our Parsha, namely the beginning of the Yemei Milwim, are taking place on Rosh Chodesh as well. It therefore follows that the events described in next week's Parsha, Parshat Shmini, are taking place after the end of the Shivat Yimei Miluim, namely on the eighth day of Nisan. Rashi, however, suggests a different chronology. Relying on multiple Midrashim, Rashi explains that the eighth day referred to at the beginning of Parshat Shmini, which is the day after Yimei HaMiluim, is in fact Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Hence, the Yimei Miluim begin on the 23rd of Adar and they ended on the 29th of Adar. In order to explain it this way, Rashi must use the famed dictum of Ein Mukdam Umu'uchar Torah, that the Torah is not written in chronological order, and posit that the events described in the final parak of our Parsha transpired prior to the construction of the Mishkan described at the end of Sefer Shemot. Reliance on Ein Mukdam is neither surprising nor controversial. And as we noted above, Rashi is simply adopting an opinion quoted in multiple Midrashim and adopted by most subsequent Parshanim. What is surprising is that in adopting this position, Rashi, as well as these other commentators, including Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, and the Arch Pashtan, and Chazal before them, are clearly choosing not to follow the simple Pshat, despite numerous difficulties with the Midrash. And what exactly are those difficulties? Firstly, Chazal must deal with the fact that at the end of Sefer Shemot, the Torah clearly states that Moshe built the Mishkan on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. 
However, if the Yemei Miluim began on the 23rd of Adar, then the Mishkan must have been standing by then. Chazal famously dealt with this question by suggesting that Moshe would assemble the Mishkan each morning and then dismantle it before the end of the day. Only when he built it on the eighth day did it remain standing until Am Yisrael renewed their march toward Eretz Yisrael. As we will see in a moment, this explanation is also not without its difficulties. Even Ezra, in his Perish Aroch to the second Pasuk of chapter 40, Perak Mem, in Sefer Shmot, clearly delineates three other major difficulties with the Midrashic approach adopted by Rashi. Firstly, if for a full week Moshe in fact assembled and disassembled the Mishkan on a daily basis, why do we not find any commandment for him to do so? Surely he did not do this on his own volition, and we would expect the Torah to record the divine command that he was acting upon. Secondly, the Torah tells us that over the course of the Shivat Yemei Miluim, Aaron and his sons did not leave the entrance of the Mishkan day or night. But if the Mishkan was disassembled at the end of each day, and according to some opinions in Midrash, it was even disassembled and reassembled two or three times a day, how would it be possible for Aharon and his sons to fulfill the command that they had been given not to leave the entrance of the Mishkan? Finally, if the Yom HaShmini was in fact Rosh Chodesh, why does the list of korbanot that were brought on that day not include the unique offerings that are brought on Rosh Chodesh? Because of these questions, Ibn Ezra adopts the position that the Mishkan was first built on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and the Mei Miluim coincide with the first seven days of Nisan. The choice to veer from the simple pshat to the more problematic drash becomes even more perplexing when we consider two other points. Firstly, the Midrash itself openly acknowledges that the Pasuk, the first Pasuk in next week's Parsha, was on the eighth day, requires explanation, and it is not necessarily to be understood in the simple way. Beyond that, we have a different Midrash, also quoted in the Gemara, which clearly, in fact, clearly states that the Mei Miluim began on Rosh Chodesh, in consonance with the Pshat. The Midrash there quotes Rabbi Akiva as explaining that the individuals who complained to Moshe about their inability to bring a Korban Pesach on the 14th of Nisan were Mishael and Elitzafan, cousins of Moshe and Aharon. And why were they ineligible to bring the Korban Pesach? Because they had been charged with removing the bodies of Aharon's sons, Nadab and Abihu, who had died while serving in the Mishkan on Yom Shmini. Clearly then, Rabbi Akiva holds that Yom HaShmini was the eighth day of Nisan and not Rosh Chodesh. Otherwise, they would not have been Tamei, they would have not have been ineligible to bring the Korban Pesach on Erev Pesach. It should be noted that those who say that Yom HaShmini was on Rosh Chodesh contend that the group who were unable to bring the Korban Pesach in its appropriate time were the people who were carrying Yosef's coffin for reburial in Eretz Yisrael. So what is it? When did the Yemei Miluim take place? And why does it seem that Rashi and Chazal are so insistent on moving away from the Pshat and adopting a less clear answer? In his analysis of this question, Rav Elchanan Samet ponders the question of why Chazal would offer the more problematic explanation, rather than for accepting the Pshat at face value. After all, says Rav Samet, 
the chances that someone who is not already familiar with the approach of Chazal would reach the conclusion that Yemei Miluim were in the last week of Rosh Chodesh Nisan as opposed to the first week of Nisan are almost nil. So why were Chazal so insistent? Rav Samet first quotes Ramban's suggestion that the glory of Hashem, Kavod Hashem, that appeared to Am Yisrael on Yom HaShmini is in fact identical to the Anan HaKavod, the divine cloud that covered the Mishkan when it was first built. If this is true, then we would understand why Chazal dated Yemei Miluim to the last week of Adar and posited that the Mishkan was only left standing on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. However, after analyzing this question, this answer, Rav Samet finds it wanting. In that case, what could be the explanation? Rav Samet suggests that the reason Chazal did not wish to endorse the Pshat is historical. The discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls and their description of a seen society revealed that there were sects who suggested annually celebrating the May Miluim by bringing sacrifices which mimic the sacrifices of Yemei HaMiluim. When would these sacrifices be offered? During the first week of Nisan, when the Pshat indicates that Yemei HaMiluim took place. While it is unlikely that this practice was ever acted upon, says Rav Samet, the ideas certainly, certainly percolated in different groups. Therefore, suggests Rav Samet, Perhaps in order to quash the idea of regularly, regularly celebrating the Yemei Miluim, Chazal established a tradition that they did not even occur during Chodesh Nisan. According to this approach, Chazal chose their favorite interpretation for polemic as opposed to pshat purposes. And since, as Rav Samet notes, one of the most important tasks that Chazal took upon themselves was to discredit heretical sects, Employing polemics was a key weapon in that fight. This was especially true in situations such as ours, where adopting the more problematic reading did not have any practical, possible practical halakhic ramifications. At least until someone wondered if Yemeha Miluim wasn't a great reason not to say Tachnum. Shabbat Shalom, and for those of you who might be listening on Purim, Thank you for listening to our new audio email Shirim series. To see the footnotes of this year or to read it for yourself, please click on the link below. Thank you and Shabbat Shalom.